there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. First Corinthians 1, and um, I had a scripture reader, but um, I don't think she's here today, so um, I'll read it. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus for in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge and of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the partnership of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So while I was on vacation this week, I, um, my grandmother is 91 years old, and uh, she was just moved after some falls. She's a super, super, um, just super strong with it lady, and she's one to live on her own. But because of a series of falls, was um, was decided that she needed to move into assisted living um, for the for the first time in her life, and so uh, and she felt right about it. So the whole deal was we had to take her house, and we had you know I, anybody who's gone through this, I know many of you have been going through this lately, um, of taking this house full of all of these cherished memories and all of this um, this furniture that's um, you know antiques and maybe you know your 18 year old uh, uh, granddaughter tells you it's not worth anything but you're like it is but it's so worth everything right and so to take this house full of furniture and all these things and figure out what she's going to take there and what she's not and what we're going to get rid of and then we're selling her house and so um, I went by her house and I um, helped her create a gallery wall on this in this very small room pictures that she had all over her house um, how to whittled them down to one wall of all of her family's photos. And um, while I was there, my mom told me, um, I, we went back to the, to the house, and my mom pointed at a desk, and um, it was my grandmother's old roll-top desk, and she said, um, I made sure to put a sticky note, because all the s- sisters are going around the house and putting sticky notes on things. Each one has a different color sticker, and, um, and then like once, t- and they're taking one, the sticky note off, like, 
and then put, I swore that the yellow one was there first, right? So, um, uh, but my mom put a sticky note on this roll top desk and I, I don't really need anything, but she's making sure she gets, you know, her family's part of this um, whole thing. And, um, and it reminded me uh, of that, the only, my only connection to the roll top desk, I don't really have much at all, was um, the first time I learned about my grandfather in a way I never really knew him. Um, I might have shared this story like a long time ago. I don't remember, but um, if I did, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but so my grandfather was a deacon in the Baptist church and, uh, and I just grew up you know, knowing of him as a saint, just this um, um, kind of courageous um, leader in, in the church. Uh, and then, um, he, there was this letter in this roll-top desk um, that changed a lot for the way I saw him. Uh, and I ended up writing a paper about it even in seminary, um, the whole experience of opening this desk and, and finding out that the biggest argument that my grandparents ever had um, was um, about this all-white Baptist church that he served as a deacon. Uh, and them facing integration, and um, my my grandfather voted no. Um, and so one council meeting, the church voted on this, uh, and he voted no, and my grandmother was so angry. Um, it was the biggest fight. It was the kind of thing that, you know, almost ends a marriage um, kind of fight. Um, and I, for a woman... Um, who doesn't work, um, and she spoke up to my grandfather in a way, um, never had had autonomy out, outside of him, but spoke up to him in a way um, that made me see her in a whole new courageous light. Um, and this man, who I thought was this courageous man of faith, uh, he wasn't as saintly as I thought he had been, right? Um, and so I... I I've seen that, um, that roll-top desk. It reminded me of that story and of me writing that, that paper in seminary about that experience. Um, and also, there's this... It kind of reminds me, a roll-top desk like that, or any time you go to a place where you find old letters or old kind of just um, pieces of history that have so much meaning but to very few people, uh, it's, it reminds me of, of Scripture and kind of the way, the, what we come to when we come to the Bible, um, what we come to when we come to read Paul, um, you, you come to it like this old letter that was meant for someone else, right? And yet, how unbelievably relatable and um, something that makes such an impact on my life even today finding the letter written to someone else about something that is still a conversation to be had. Um, and so it reminds me of the Bible. That's the way the Bible is. Um, and so it, it's, this, is, this was our family letter drawer, but, um, but this today you heard um, kind of Paul's letter drawer. Particularly in the New Testament, um, this... Part it's uniquely um, littered 
The New Testament's uniquely littered with letters, right? Um, Two-thirds of the New Testament are littered with letters. Uh, And and it's like we're getting Paul's mail today, um, written to someone else with all of the icky details. Um, But it starts off nice. Um, St. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, by the way, uh, if you didn't know it, um, and had... um, he had no idea um, he was writing scripture at the time that he was writing this. Uh, and every time someone who was following Christ would pick up one of these letters that Paul was writing them, um, it was for them also like reading someone else's mail. Um, what an odd thing. So before long, um, the church does this particular thing with this reading someone else's mail thing. Um, we, we take these letters and then we call them scripture. That no matter what, God seems to meet us in these letters in some really courageous way, which tells us a whole lot about who we are and where we're from then. And Paul's letters to a particular people in Corinth have captured um, my heart um, as it relates to the Kingstown Communion. Uh, It did, this letter captured my heart the very first year we were launching this church in a whole different way. Um, I believe I preached from this text the first year as well. And um, it's, you know, then it was this letter to this scrappy new church, first and second Corinthians, Paul's writing to a new church that he himself started, um, you know, anywhere between one to three years. So in those first years of Kingstown, it felt so, uh, I felt like I just, um, I understood it. These letters not meant for me and yet they felt so real to read them. Um, and then now we're seven years in, and we're doing this um, stewardship campaign about uh, maturing. It's not nearly as fun to mature as it is to start something new. Um, but there's also in this, what I never noticed before, this language of, hey, don't get so enthralled by the newness of this thing. This is, you know, it was meant to be institutionalized. We don't like that word, right? But it was meant, institutionalized is a good word. It's to, to guard it and protect it and make it something that goes on and lives on and lives on and lives on. And so um, I think Paul's words today are wholly new and Uh, really appropriate for a church at seven years that's trying to figure out um, how do we institutionalize this thing that's felt so scrappy and fun up until now. We are people who gather into communion with Jesus Christ here, we say, um, through courageous conversation and creative community and collaborating for the common good. Um, And so throughout this series, we're going to be talking about those virtues. um, Today being uh, the first one, it's, these virtues are, are just as real for us as they were the very, very first day. that we The first day they kind of were dreamt up in, um, by God and these people in a room. Some of, two, about two people here right now um, were in that room. And uh, they still seem to be what we are as a church. They just come to this whole new, they take a new life every, every few years. Um, but they're still very relevant. 
Um, and in this new stage, this new exciting stage, um, I want to, to center us on these, these, this letter from Paul, this, this letter of 1 Corinthians, um, over just the next four weeks. So obviously there's a lot, lot we're not going to read. Um, each week we'll be rooting ourselves in, in Corinthians. Um, and so here's the context, um, this letter. It's the, the letters are written between 53 and 56 AD, and Paul was writing to this church that was situated in Corinth, which was the city where cultures just came crashing together. Sounds a lot with, like where we are. Um, and nobody was ever from Corinth. A couple people are from this area. You, right? You're from this area. Um, but really, most people are not from here. Um, and anybody here from the DC metro area um, knows that they, if they're from the area, they feel very much alone in that. Um, Corinth was the place where commerce and culture came together. Um, and I think we talked about this um, in, our, in our series um, uh, six months ago. Um, and it's right on the edge of the metropolis um, called Corinth. Um, and it's this church that's launched about two to three years before. And after the church was up and running, Paul went to, to plant another church and then to plant another church. And Paul writes to them now. These are the letters they're tucking into their roll-top desk. Um, and it seems like the church is in this stage of excitement, of growth, of transformation, and they're starting to ask questions. Where are we going? Like, what is all this about? What are we about as a church? And what do we do next? What's the next thing to do? And so uh, this letter, um, Paul uh, writes to this church, and um, it's a letter that I want us to encounter. And it begins with Paul reminding the church of their call. That's all we get today. That's all we get today. It's Paul very simply reminding the church of their call. It, pastorally, it seems like there'd be other places to begin. But in conversation about what, what the church is about, it seems that beginning with a, a strategy would be most helpful. We've got some strategic things we'll share with you. Or like, you know, the marketing outreach plan for the year. Or um, the get the budget in line so that we end, end the year in the black plan that we could begin with. Or Paul doesn't begin in any of these places. Paul begins just by reminding them of their call. Paul, an apostle. I'm an apostle and I've been called by Jesus like you have been called by Jesus. Paul's apostleship begins not in himself, but in this call that came from outside of him. Our, this mission, this beautiful vision here at Kingstown comes not from here. It comes not from us. It comes from outside of us. It comes from what we have been called to do because of the God we know who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And then Paul says, I want to remind you, siblings in Christ, that you are saints. And it's funny because still people find it very strange when I call them that. 
Um, I, I, I actually, I think I wrote the, the letter that I wrote to you all that you will see online. If you, it's there right now if you go and visit that website that they talked about. But the letter I wrote, like in the first two sentences, I like talk to you as saints. Um, and it blows people's mind that I could say or speak that over someone who is living. Paul's apostleship begins not in himself. Um, I want to remind you, siblings, of your call to be saints. Who, who the church is is wrapped up and who called the church into being. I think it's a really great thing for us to remember. It seems so simple. In other words, the church is never somebody's idea. The church is never our attempt to, be, to become better people on our own behalf. The church is never our newest strategy to begin some kind of new club. The church is never a a seeker movement that just is super excited when the seats are full and so utterly disappointed when they're empty. Paul reminds the, the Corinthian church at the beginning that you are not here because of yourself. You're here because someone is calling you to it and that is the courageous part of this. God's word for us is like, you want to be people of courageous faith? You want to be a people of courageous conversation? Remember your call. We love to narrate the courageous nature of the gospel so apart from the call of God. But it takes all the, the, the courageousness out of it. And now the church has this notion, um, and we learned from our, our Jewish ancestors, that the God we encounter in a place like the church um, is one that is, here's a word, vocative, one that calls us. That is a, is a Jewish thing, that this God calls us somewhere. This God calls things into being. This God speaks and creation comes forth, right? God calls creation out of things. This is what the, our, our Jewish siblings say. And and so the question is, called for what at Kingstown then? God speaks and something happens, but what is happening here? And Paul reminds us from the very beginning of the letter, you're called to be saints. God has, at the very beginning, had this dream of having a group of people who are set aside to be about the work of reminding the world that God is the same yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow a group of saints reminding the world that God is about healing their brokenness. There's a calling there. God first spoke creation into existence and God called creation into being. And not long after that, about three chapters later, the world begins to fracture, right? Cain and Abel, and it sounds like that story should sound familiar. And, and since, since that time, God has been calling people. Since that time, those people were called and broke it been calling people to be about the work of healing what, what was broken. God calls Abraham. God calls you know, Isaac. God calls Jeremiah. God calls um, Isaiah. This group of people who are set apart from the brokenness of the world, who understand it, who get that it's not the, the last 
It's not the end of the story. It's not the last word. The interesting thing, though, about that roll-top desk, and why I didn't remember it at first, but I remembered it later, is that the same desk that brought back those memories of my grandfather um, voting no um, to integration is the, um, is the same desk that uh, his caregivers would sit at and write notes as they came to visit him after at about 40 years old he um, had a massive stroke and um, couldn't speak, couldn't walk, uh, and my, my grandmother had to go back to work, um, well, had to work, and, uh, and it was, it's, that's, that reminds me also of the kind of redeeming nature of, of that same woman who came to visit him, that beautiful, um, kind of had that belly laugh that you just could not, you just had to love her, um, this wonderful African-American woman who came and cared for him day after day after day after day. Um, and she would comb his hair and she'd give him baths and take him to the bathroom, right? He was impossible to deal with as anyone is in that condition, right? But slowly over time, healing begins, right? That strong man of faith was broken um, and this intimate friendship happens out of this. And, and my, my, my grandfather was by that, you know, growing up in that, waiting in that, speaking up in that, showing up in that space, and allowing it to work on him, was able to become a saint. My saint many other people's saint. This is God's dream. God's call always hinges on people who are willing to answer a call and then help to put things back together and see what's not the last word. If we're going to be people who um, don't just take part in courageous conversation, if we're going to be people who don't just make them the values of our church and put them on signs, but we want to be people who actually make them virtues in our lives, things that we write on our hearts. The only way a value of a church becomes a virtue for your heart um, is for you to remember your call. I um, wanted to invite forward um, for uh, the last five minutes of my, my sermon today um, a, a saint in our church um, who shared with me um, how this church has... Um, especially the courageous conversation of it has served to shape him a little bit. Would you come forward, Paul? Thank you. I am Paul. And um, uh, the, the, uh, tomorrow will make a year that I've been a member uh, at Kingstown. And... Um, the, the first time I came was two Easter's ago. And, you know, on Easter it's easy to hide because there's, there's a lot of people. Um, but when I came the following week, it wasn't so easy to hide anymore. And I, and I, I haven't been able to hide since. Um, 
And coming here for the last year and a half or so has really um, changed me in a, in, a, in a bunch of ways. And in, in the area of creative conversation, um, uh, the, the, I pr perhaps the first th place it started to change is like in my work life. Um, um, both the, my current job and the one I, I had before that um, professed to be very accepting and, and uh, um, on the liberal side. And, um, but yet, when we would have charity drives, there was some of the charities that we were supporting that were really kind of wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, and, and old me, you know, would have just, well, I'm just not gonna give, you know, that'll show them. Um, that doesn't show anybody anything. You know, they don't know that I, you know, didn't give. Um, but I spoke up. I spoke up, um, and I, I, I went to the human resources people and said, you know, this, this isn't right. Um, you know, this is not somebody we should support. And they listened to me, and in, in both instances, decided to stop supporting those uh, organizations and choose, choose others that were um, more organizations that help all people. Um, and you know, that, I, I don't know, I didn't do it myself, it came out of me, but even as it was coming out of me, um, I, I, I uh, you know, there, there, was, there was God in that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just me making those statements. And I think because it was from a holy place, um, you know, I was able to relay it in a way that made people accept what I, I, I had to say. And the, the other place, I, and, and anyone who's married probably knows about this too, creative conversations with a spouse. My, my husband and I have been, uh, we celebrated 22 years in July and um, but but one of the things that sort of happens over over at least it did for us is that um, you just let things go, you know, because it's easier than and and I think most people have probably seen my husband, but he doesn't come except for a couple times a year. But uh, um, you know, he's the outgoing one, and I'm the quiet one, so. Most of the time, when something comes up, um, I just push it down. You know, that my, my history has been to do that. But since starting to come here, um, I don't do that pushing down thing anymore when something comes up that I think we need to, to discuss and discuss in a, in a holy way, you know, and not point, point fingers. Um, but through those creative conversations, I mean, I think we've grown more in the past year than, than 21 previous years. Um, you know, so that's, that's amazing. And the, the place I'm finding myself now with creative conversation is with myself. Um, you know, it's, it, I don't know, I think, I think sometimes it can be easy to lie to yourself and um, um, 
I'm having to, you know, look look in, inward again and be honest about what I see and start dealing with it. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm finding myself right now. Um, and I, I think that's all I want to say. Thank you. God, you um, are working in all of us like that. Courageous faith is, uh, it sounds, I don't know, because maybe the synonyms are like bold and things like that, but it, so we think it's uh, always about speaking up and out about something. Um, but sometimes it's just being honest with ourselves. honest with you, God, sometimes, I mean, actually all the time, it's just showing up at a place like this when the world says this is inconsequential or number five on the list of Sunday to-dos. It's courageous. As, as Renee said in that video, um, it's hard to be church because it's countercultural. It's countercultural to come and be a part of community when everything around us just breathes individualism and loneliness and isolation. And so it's courageous to be in community and to listen to a story like Paul's. However, God, you are calling us to be courageous whether it is to come out of our shell and speak up, or whether it is to get real with ourselves and with you, God. Continue to, to make that a virtue for us. Shape our hearts in it. Not just a value we preach as a church that sounds good and looks really good on a t-shirt, but that it's something that shapes our hearts and our faith so that we might grow closer to you, the one who calls us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray a pretty courageous prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.